0: Uh, we're going to spend a little time in Luke chapter eight. If you have a Bible nearby, want to want to head that direction. Um, since the since Easter, we've been talking about the the ascension uh, of Jesus, and uh, we're going to go back just a little bit, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about the resurrection uh, narrative today, but. Uh, what I want to do is I want to zero in on uh, one of the one of the most important disciples um, that were that was a part of Jesus' ministry in the New Testament and yet one of the most perhaps overlooked and maybe misunderstood to a certain to a certain extent um, started a couple of years ago um, on Mother's Day like kind of whatever series I was in or, or whatever I would would stop and give give a lot of attention that day to to biblical womanhood and and really just um, trying to make sure that we're always uh, in step with what the scriptures have to say and uh, really just honoring honoring all of our women and the role that they play and uh, trying to to continue to move move in a like kingdom of God direction and all in that whole entire conversation and um, and. So, in praying toward this Mother's Day, I was was just trying to think, uh, which you know, what what direction to go. It's a pretty common pretty common thing in my life, and I uh, kept really coming back to this this one particular woman, um, and we know her as Mary Magdalene, and she um, she is uh, in in a lot of in a lot of ways, like I said, kind of kind of misunderstood. Has kind of been treated differently throughout history, you know, and different things like that. And so, what I want to do today is a little bit different. I want to kind of just do like a let's do like a profile or a character study of of Mary Magdalene based on what the Bible tells us about her. Um, I was talking with Taylor uh, earlier, and he was saying that you know there's a there's a a TV show that's been very popular lately called is it called Chosen or The The Chosen The Chosen And uh, has a lot of Mary Magdalene in in the in the storyline and everything, which is pretty cool. So, if today kind of sparks some interest in you from what he was telling me about this show, uh, it portrays her in a way that sounds like it's pretty consistent with what we're going to talk about today. And so, if this is intriguing to you, then uh, definitely look look into that uh, that whole experience. But um, so, I want to look at Mary Magdalene and um, see what the Bible has to say about her. And how that impacts us as disciples, and so this this is not really a, a a thing of like, okay, ladies, let's let's look at what what you're supposed to look like. Um, this is about all of us. This is for the men, and it's for the women. We just happen to be looking at someone who is who is a woman, um, and so uh, yeah. So Mary Mary's been a little misunderstood over the years. Some of it is because uh, there's a bunch of Marys in the Bible. Um, and I didn't realize that there were this many, but you got, you got Mary, the mother of Jesus. You have Mary of Bethany, like Mary and Martha, Bethany. Um, you have Mary, the mother of James and Josephs, which might be might be Mary, the mother of Jesus, but there's some speculation on that. She's also called the other Mary. I like that. So it's, there's one point in Matthew 27. He's like Mary Magdalene was there, and so was the other Mary. So I'll have to figure that one out. Um, there's Mary, the mother of John Mark. And there's Mary Magdalene. Those are all in the New Testament. And there's Mary of Rome who shows up in Acts. And so apparently Mary was a common enough name during this time to where there's been a little bit of, of uh, you know, it gets a little confusing at times. Which is a part of why why they call her Mary Magdalene is to distinguish her from some of the others. Um, and over, over history there's been various assumptions that are, have been made about her. But not, but not because of what the Bible has to say about her. So like one example is some, some believe if you, go back into, if you go back into Luke 7, you see the story of there's a sinful woman. Uh, that's, that's, all, that's the only identification is that a woman came in when J- Jesus was, was dining and just that she was sinful. She was a known sinner and she begins to, uh, to anoint his feet and to to she's weeping in his presence that beautiful story but she's not named and then in Luke 8 he introduces Mary Magdalene so some people think that that those are the same person but really why would he, why would he call her Mary Magdalene in chapter 8 and not chapter seven. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. There's no evidence for the same thing. Um, but she's kind of been labeled in a sense of having, having some sort of, uh, of shady past, you know, and she kind of has this reputation and is portrayed in a lot of films and stuff as, as, as coming from a background that the Bible doesn't, doesn't endorse necessarily. Um, and so a lot of that is, is human tradition and it's, you know, just different, different kinds of things. Um, and it's almost like people have been looking for like something extra to add into the story as if her own story is not interesting enough. And so uh, we're going to push all of that stuff to, to the side. And so if you hear Mary Magdalene and there's this certain image that comes up and it has certain connotations there, let's do the best we can to push all that to the side. And let's just go with what the Bible actually says about her, um, which is found in Luke chapter 8, uh, the first few verses. Um, and then we're going to then we'll jump to some of the stuff with the resurrection here in just a minute. So let's let me read one, one two, and three. And then we'll kind of break it apart just a little bit. So soon afterward, he, he being Jesus, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and joanna the wife of chusa Herod's household manager and susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means okay those three verses that's that's pretty much what we know about her apart from what we see like in the, in the resurrection narrative that's what we know about her background is what we see right here so so let's kind of build a build an understanding of of what what this looks like. So, let's start with verse 2. So, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, and Mary's the first one listed, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's what we know about her past, is at some point she had been in complete bondage. So, the number 7, that's used to talk about wholeness. So, she was thoroughly... um, Thoroughly oppressed by by the enemy, she was in bondage that wasn't it wasn't just a little bit; it was complete bondage, um, and that like must have. Can you imagine the destruction that that would bring to a life? Someone who is is com- completely overtaken. By, by, by an enemy who wants to kill and to destroy and to lie. And uh, just the destruction that would bring upon a person. Now certainly that, that would have had certain social you know, implications and, and those kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that, that she had some sort of sultry past that we, that is labeled on her sometimes. It just means that at one point the devil had complete control of her. And that is, that is brutal enough of a background to come from. So that's that's what we know about her. We don't know any of the other things that people want to label, but we do know that one. That at one point, she was in complete, complete bondage to the enemy. And at some point, Jesus freed her from this oppression. At some point, Jesus... Uh, either went to her, or she came to him, or however God wanted to do it. And all those stories that we see in the New Testament of him of him looking at someone and casting a demon out, Mary Magdalene was one of those people. And at some point, she was healed. That's what that's what it says, uh, in verse two. Some women who had been healed of evil spirits and, and infirmities. So Mary Magdalene uh, has firsthand experience of being in complete and total bondage. And having the power of Jesus, look at her, and wh- whether he said it or thought it or however it worked, somehow he set her free. Those demonic spirits met their master, and he told them to get out, and they did, and she was healed and she was freed. So that's that's the first thing that we know about her. So if we want to if we want to think of her past, that's the only thing the Bible really points to, and that is enough. Believe me. Um. So that's one thing. Second thing, verse in verse 1 so soon afterwards he went on through, through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God so that's, that's a one sentence description of, of, of Jesus' ministry as he's traveling through all these places and he's preaching and he's teaching and that was the part of the ministry of Jesus as he traveled and he did not travel alone he traveled with disciples so it says the twelve were with him so the twelve disciples that we tend to think of, um, verse two, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. So the second thing that we know about Mary is that she, uh, when when she was freed and healed, from that point she left everything behind, and she followed him. That she was a part of that traveling group that went from town to town and place to place. And we we read a lot about the 12. And sometimes it, it was just the 12 and Jesus. Sometimes it was just the three and Jesus. Sometimes it was just the one and Jesus. There are different, different things. But in terms of moving from place to place with a group of disciples, Mary was a part of those things. Um, that Mary... Joined that group, so she would have seen and heard many of the same things that the twelve saw and heard. As we're reading the the, the New Testament and as we're reading the Gospels, and all these things that we're imagining, what well, what must it have been like? Mary was an eyewitness to many of those same things. We don't know where in the timeline she was freed from her oppression. But when she jumped in, she left everything behind to follow Jesus and to become one of his disciples. Um, what's interesting, though, is that you know, we, we have accounts of Jesus going to, to some of the disciples and saying, you, stop what you're doing, leave everything here, come follow me. You know, st- uh, Drop your nets, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Like we have those moments where Jesus tells them, to, hey, leave it all here, come follow me. With Mary, she we don't have that moment. This seems to be something that she decided to do. This was like her response, and in, in some capacity, to what Jesus had done for her was to abandon everything and to to say, "I have the opportunity to be a disciple of the, the only the one who looked at me and freed me from this oppression. That nothing else would work. I was completely in bondage." And with just a word or a gesture or whatever it would have been, he frees me. Where else would I, would I be? What else do I have to do? There's no other place that I would want to be than with him as he goes. And I want to hear everything he has to say. I want to be there for every moment. Like Why, why would I miss any of that? Um, and so she became a part of that traveling ministry and, and so, uh, as as we read much of the New, New Testament, she was known as one of his disciples. Uh, whenever you see groups of women listed, she's often the first one. Even even in those verses that we read, she's the first one that Luke listed because she was the most prominent of of, of the female disciples that were a part of this group. And so. Um, even, even in places where Jesus' family is listed, it's he, the family members are listed and then she's right there as well. And so she was a significant figure in the life of Jesus and in the ministry of the disciples as well. So we know that she was freed from demonic oppression and she dropped everything to follow him. There's a third thing that is, that is I find to be very interesting. You you may not. We'll, we'll see. Um... Uh, She's called Mary Magdalene, just in the same way that Jesus is called uh, Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus the Nazarene. Um, That is indicative of where she's from. And there's a little town that's like three miles away from Capernaum. So Capernaum is is where kind of Jesus' home base. A couple miles away, there's a town called uh, Magdala. And um, at that time, it was like, very much thriving and alive, very like highly populated, um, just a coast, coastal town. And um, it was known for, um, for dyeing the like, different color threads and wool and that kind of stuff to be able to make uh, clothing and tapestries and you know, all those, those kinds of things. And uh, also for textiles. And so it was a very wealthy town. So when they say Mary Mag Mary Magdalene, Mary the Mag the Magdalene, um, a part of what they're doing is saying that's where she's from. But if she's from there, then there's a a chance that she's she's somehow like tied up in the wealth and prosperity of this city. Verse three it, it lists. Verse two it says Mary, and then it lists in verse three Joanna uh, and Susanna, and it says at the end of verse three. Uh, many others, who provided for them out of their means. The New Testament commentators look at that, and part of the conclusion is that uh, Mary and Joanna and Susanna were a part of a group of women who financially funded the ministry of Jesus uh, and his 12 disciples. When you get into the book of Acts, it is very common to find out that women were behind the funding of the ministry and the and the work of the new testament church and so we tend to think like oh this is a such a, a primitive society and women you know didn't have this and that and the other but there were plenty of times when you have women who are running businesses and family businesses and things like that and so um we know that she was oppressed by a demon, and Jesus freed her. We know that she left everything to follow him. We also know that she had she came from some sort of financial means that she like funneled into the work of ministry for Jesus and his disciples. And so, that financial generosity is something that's really important to her character. You know she um, she could have she could have been freed from these demons. And set free from that, and said, "Thank you. I'll see you later. I'm going to go back to Magdala, and I'm going to get the business going, and I'm going to like make more money, and I'm going to do, you know, do, go do my thing. Appreciate the freedom. You know, I'll see you later." She's not one of those people, though. She says, "I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave all that behind to follow him. I'm going to. Um, it's going to cost me uh, something, uh, and we don't really know the details of it." But this points in that direction, and there's a lot of confirmation about this, that she was that was a part of, of her ministry. And that got me thinking, and we're going to talk about this here, here in a minute, and, uh, and I kind of would love for everyone to give some thought to this. Um, I, it reminded me of the story where uh, there are ten lepers that come up to Jesus, and he heals them, and they, and they, he says, go show yourselves to the priests, and so they all leave. And there's one that comes back to thank him and the other nine don't, they don't bother. They just go, they're going to go to the priest and get certified as healed so they can get on with their lives. And it's this fascinating interaction between this one grateful person who's been freed and healed. And, you know, Jesus is like, Hey, this is great. What, what about the other nine? You know, they were healed too. Right. And it kind of makes you, makes you realize something about our, about our, um, I guess kind of our own like redemption and salvation and, and, and things is like you you come to a moment like those lepers or like Mary did where where the the very bondage that you were in you meet Jesus and he he sets you right side up like he frees you he heals you he saves you put whatever term you want on it and then then you have a life to live after that and sometimes you see people who like wholeheartedly give themselves to the Lord and it is it is a like every part of them is devoted to him from that point forward that is what the leper who comes back to say thank you that's what makes me think of and Mary I just couldn't get away from that here is she just gave herself completely to her redeemer um and it made me think about well but why isn't that why isn't that the case across the board why isn't it that every time someone comes to know Christ and is freed, is true like truly saved and freed, why why don't we all do like Mary did, you know? Why why does there seem to be sometimes a wholehearted following and sometimes kind of a half hearted following? And so I was thinking through that of like in, in, in my own life, what are the what are the contributing factors to um whether I'm looking at my entire life trajectory or just season by season, how come sometimes I'm, I'm completely there and other times I feel like I'm kind of half in half out. Um, and so I want to kind of throw this to the group because I feel like there's, there's so much uh, experience and wisdom among us of, of going through it ourselves, but also in talking with others. Um, what do you, what do you guys think are some of those contributing factors when it comes to, uh, to kinda of almost like if we think of it as like kind of two paths, one is wholehearted and one is half hearted, what do you think are some of the contributing factors that kind of determine which, which road you go down?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I think with Mary and then so this would be wholehearted response, is that she was she was at this place where she was in total bondage and she knew it. You know, she wasn't not aware of it. And so I think sometimes we're not aware of that ourselves and our story and our history and all. And so it's a matter of Mary, and she was fully known and fully loved by, by Jesus in this moment. And she could see that. And so it was this, it was almost like a death to self for her. And not a death of self, you know, she she still was married. But she recognized, like, this this past life is gone. You know, this, this bondage is gone. And so I think she, it's just where we... we we don't take the time to recognize all the things we're freed from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just that depth of being known and loved. Yeah. Yeah, I love that.
2: I should probably strategize more to not follow (laughs) Taylor's (laughs) answers. But but one thing that popped in my head and this is a little bit of a stretch for us but uh, kind of related to like what are some of the contributing factors like when you get saved right, and then you always see or most of the time you see like it's a, that's a month or two. Like just, you know, you just notice the difference, right? in people, well, I kind of related to, uh, let's say, a restrictive diet, right? Mentally, there comes a point where you're like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna do something, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat less, or I'm gonna eat, uh, not eat certain things, right? That first week, you know, especially if you're doing it in a group, we did a group with some guys at church a while back. And it's like first week. Of like, hey, you guys, you want to get some lunch at work? And you're like, nope, not at all. Got my lunch. I'm not going anywhere near any of this, right? And you're very motivated, and your your mind is really set. And it's like your first priority. You're thinking about what you need to do and what you need to not do. And that diet just like it, you kind of weans over time, right? It's just like it's you know, it's not great to go back to those other foods, um, but it's so they're so good, right? You just remember what that that in details and. I think it's kind of in a weird way related at times, right? You can you can definitely be on fire and you're motivated, and then maybe sometimes you just lose, you lose that um, I don't know that drive, right? You can kind of just kind of go back and forth a little bit, and it's not as bad, right? And then everyone starts talking about grace, and and uh, it's I don't know, you can kind of talk yourself out of it, I think, in a way. And then, but for me, it's just being reminded uh, often with the people I'm around. Like Mm -hmm. you're off track of of this, right? You you need to maybe bounce back off and get back into Jesus' train, right? So, a little bit of a stretch for me. But that's just kind of where my mind went as far as like relating it to a restricted diet. So,
0: yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. And the like you were talking about, like doing that whole process with a group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's that's such an important. Factor in determining a lot of why, like where, where we are in this whole thing, is the fact that we we weren't meant to do this alone, and so just gathering together with other believers, it, it like resets us and refocuses us, and uh, that's such an important part of, of the journey. It's part of why God gave us the gift of community in that way is is to to help like when you are off track, like we're all we're like pulling each other back back on, back to true north, you know, all the time.
3: Yeah, I think the things that I've been thinking about since you posed the question to us a little earlier and then even in hearing your discussions or the idea of, you know, like you said, not truly understanding what we've been freed from. And so like almost like what what version of the gospel did you hear? And what version of the gospel did you even respond to in that Um, because I know for me early on as a child I knew I didn't want to be separated from God forever and wanted to go to heaven but I didn't know anything about a relationship until I got older and so the relationship and the abiding life and even that idea I think um, like Psalm 127 and Isaiah 55 of just things that don't satisfy like if it's unless the Lord is building the house the labor is labor in vain or in Isaiah 55 it's why do you spend your money on things that don't satisfy? Why do you buy food that doesn't satisfy? And so, you know, it's so easy to lose sight of what's really good for us, like you're saying, Cody. And then we go after these things because there is a void because we were created for a relationship with him and created to love deeply and powerfully. But the object of our love can't be something that's not perfect and holy and sacrificial like it just doesn't work so we try to make all these other things the object of our love um, but they just don't satisfy and so i don't know like just whether it's distraction or just forgetting those things but then another one that i thought of was just the idea that sometimes we're so wounded whether it was trauma or just life feeling like life or god has let you down or just different things that have made us almost unable to follow him with the abandonment that we want to. But then, you know, like you're talking here, like he healed Mary Magdalene. And so as that healing takes place, we are able to follow him full out. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it all just plays together in my mind. Mm-hmm.
2: And more we talk about it too, it's a major thing. When you talk about you're actually swapping identities, mm-hmm. right? Even what, what we've all kind of talked about. Yeah. Like that's not... That's not a normal thing, right? right? You know, people go on different little streaks of things, but you're talking about a major switch of an identity, yeah. and it, it, it is it can be difficult once you lose sight of the reason why you switched. Right? Yeah. It can be very difficult. Right? Yeah. Good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you know this is such a it's such a interesting topic and a question that um, I mean we could figure this one out then you know. <laughs> right it'd be, it'd be great and so th- there's so much variance from person to person and as we're trying to figure it out you know it so much of it I think comes down to to this like the fact that Mary um Mary had an encounter with Jesus you know and as, as someone who grew up in church I think it's it's easy to be like well yeah she was possessed by the devil you know like uh, of course she. of course, you know, she, and I, I hate the fact that like somewhere along the, the way, this idea of being like radically saved, like, oh, she was radically saved. Um, and what that does is that builds in this comparison trap or like, oh, well she was radically saved me. Like I kind of like grew up in church and like, oh, it's like been like fairly good. And so like mine was like not really, ra- I wouldn't use radical, you know, I was like moderately saved or, you know, uh. We have bought into this fact that there's like really dramatic salvation stories, and then there's ones that just aren't very exciting. And the truth is, if we can realize the the depths of of sin that we all brought, bring to the table, that really her story is no different. Uh, the details vary, but the the base issue is the same, you know, for us and. It's that it's that realization of all these things and living life in, in, in community and working through some of the, the baggage that we have and the and all those kinds of things. That's that's why this is a it's a journey together. It's not a um, you don't just flip a switch. And even though like it may seem that way, I, I doubt that she just flipped flipped a switch. You know, there there had to be a process there. But her her devotion to the Lord was coming from like places of incredible depth. And and that's the thing I want to want to kind of bring bring some closure to this. Um, Mary Magdalene had a she had a personal ministry to to Jesus. Like it wasn't it wasn't she wasn't just on the receiving end of his blessings. She was a blessing to him as well. And there's a couple of places where where we see this. Um, she was with Jesus all the way to the end of his life. So like I said, we don't know where in his three or so year ministry, we're not sure where in the timeline, she was freed. Um, but she went all in from that point on and funded the ministry and was one of the disciples. And, and I love the the idea of like the disciples come into a town and Jesus begins to preach. And maybe, maybe she got to give her testimony at some point. Or maybe maybe she was, she was able to speak to other women who, who weren't believing that they could, could be healed or freed or that God loved them or, or, or challenging the, the men to do the same thing. Um, but she had this ongoing ministry, and uh, there's a verse, and you don't need to turn to any of these. Um, in, in John 19.25, it says, uh, Standing by the cross of Jesus, where his mother and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So, Mary and the disciples, they track all the way through the the, the betrayal, the trials, everything. And, and you get all the way down to the point where there's Jesus crucified and slowly dying. And who's there but his mom, and Mary Magdalene, and John. I mean, it's down to this little group of people, and Mary is, is one of them. Like, she... She had that ministry of presence to Jesus all the way through. And uh, you, see it, you see it on the other side as well in John 20 when they bury, uh, you know, they've, they've buried Jesus at this point. And on Friday, when, uh, as the sun was setting, they were only able to do a certain, certain amount of the burial preparation because the Sabbath was coming. And so, when they put him into the tomb, they hadn't they hadn't done everything to the body that that they that they would do as part of tradition. And so, the women who came back to the tomb on Sunday, they were coming to basically finish finish the job and preparing the body fully. That's why they were there. And it says in verse two that she ran out and went to Simon Peter, the other disciple, um, the one who Jesus loved, and said to them, "They've taken the Lord out of the tomb." and we don't know where they've laid him. So she's like, okay, so something isn't right here. It says in verse 10 that the disciples, they went and they looked and they were like, yeah, it's true, we don't know where he is. And it says that they uh, they went home. I don't know what they did when they went home. It doesn't say, it just says they went home. Maybe they went home and prayed. Maybe they went home, I'm not sure. But it just says says that they went home, but that she stayed at the tomb and she wept. And the thought of Mary Magdalene, uh, who had given herself to the ministry of this rabbi, who had followed her Redeemer, her Savior. And she's there, and she's weeping. And the disciples, they, they're they gone, and it's just her standing there. Um, it says in verse 13, these figures appear Said, say, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. There, she calls him my Lord. She doesn't call him the Lord like she did in the previous verses. She's weeping because they have taken away her Lord, and I know that uh, that I, I kind of take a I take a deep a deep dive during Holy Week and. Uh, Kind of force everyone to come along with me as the pastor, uh, and I know that I know that I get intense about it. And and to me, it's it's this it's this picture right here. This is Good Friday. Um, they've taken away my my Lord. She's weeping because this is a this is a personal this is a personal thing. Jesus is not just someone who um, who took care of something that was annoying her and she like went on with her life. She's given. Like she loves him. He loves her. She has a relationship with him. Um, you have know, taken away by my Lord. And um, I just want to read the, read the resurrection account. Because one of the most important things about Mary Magdalene for us to know is that she was the first person to hear the gospel. And she was the first person that got to tell the gospel. Um, of all the disciples, of everyone on the earth, she was the one that got to do that. Um it Says in verse eleven of John twenty, It says Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept she stooped to look into the tomb, and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken my away they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And he said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, and Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he had these things, uh, he said these things to her. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary to hear him say her name? You know, like, what a... What a moment for her. What a moment for us uh, to see the connection there. And so here's this woman who at one point had been holistically oppressed and in bondage to these demons. And Jesus set her free. And and she never looked back. She just looked at him and she followed him. And she did everything she could to support him. And she, she loved him for him not just for what he could do for her. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's what it comes down to, is loving Jesus for Jesus, and not just because he does uh, all these incredible things for us, which he does. Um, so Mary's story, it, it kind of, it, it's supposed to make, kind of stir some things in us. And so, uh, it's kind of an unfair question. I just thought I'd throw it to the group. Is there anything about her, this little snapshot of her this morning that makes you, what does it stir within you or make you want to do or, or think or feel or whatever, however you want to answer it?
1: Yeah, I think you, you basically said what it stirs in me is that she loved Jesus, you know, not for what he could do for her but because there was this relationship and there was this, I mean, he was dead and buried and, You know, she still loved him. She was going to go take care of his body and and, and anoint it with the the herbs and and everything. And just that she was there out of love to do that. And then she got to, you know, obviously witness the resurrection in the sense that the body was not there and the whole garden scene that she went through in John there. And then it even goes into Luke. In Luke 24, it says that... uh, you know, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them. And then they ran back and said to the apostles, and this message seemed to them, they told them everything that you had just laid out there. And the apostles said, and this message seemed to them stupid, useless talk, and they didn't believe them. And so it's just that whole idea that, you know, like Mary is the apostle to the apostles, like you mm-hmm. said, the first deliverer of good news. And, you know, I think about myself and just others, how how hesitant we are to run and tell mm. people this. Mm. So just that, that image of her doing yeah. that. Yeah. That's correct. That's good.
2: So what it stirs in me is, is for me when I think about her is, is she's found that that something mentally for her that she's able to hold on to for all, all like going forward, right? That that change for her and I, I feel like I have those things throughout the year. There's different moments. Like the first one that, that comes to my head is every Easter we sing uh, Jesus Paid It All. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like that is just a, a, a resetting thing for me. And it's just like that, whatever it is I'm I'm, I'm believing and thinking and feeling, um, if I could hold on to that for, for longer, right? It's just find that thing and that reminder that is real, right? And, and you're not trying to convince yourself it's not. I and mean, just trying to hold on to that. Um, uh, uh, but it's, I think it's its more than just one thing, right, for me. It's its multiple things throughout the year. Um, it stirs up to try. It's a challenge to, to keep that in the forefront for sure. Yeah.
3: yeah, the idea of Mary knowing, like just having such a clear picture of her oppression that she had lived with for so long and um, just... Uh, like I think you used the phrase earlier, like the devil was controlling her life. Mm. And so then she experiences this freedom and this truth and this hope, the way, the truth, and the life. And then he dies. And so when it said, like, I can't find my Lord, my Lord is gone. Like just what that must have been like for her to have to think about the one thing that had given her hope and Mm. freedom and healing. And then um, whenever... She thinks he's a gardener, but then hears him say her name, and that's when she knew. So I'm just thinking about the Good Shepherd and you know John 10 and the sheep follow their shepherd because they know his voice. Mm-hmm. And so I just I can't imagine what it was like for her to hear it and be like, wait. I'm <laughs> um, just <clears throat> a reminder that everything he had done for her is going to continue. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, looking back at my own life, like even though I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years now. I remember what the first 24, 23 were like of just not walking with him and um, just the destructive path I was headed down. So it's just still easy to look back and see what he did and what he's still doing. And, yeah, it just stirs a ton of gratitude and a lot of emotion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it. And, you know, the... When the sinful woman is anointing his feet, and he says, uh, "He who's forgiven much loves much," and it's, I think, getting in touch with with what forgiveness is and what that looks like, and um, just to kind of pull it together here, um, Mary rem- reminds me of that phrase that you hear a good bit around here that that Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life. Um, I'm reminded to not give up and want to pass that on, to not give up on yourself or anyone else. Um, there's a lot of things that seem like obstacles. And I would put um, having like being holistically possessed by the enemy up there as well. And yet here, here is Mary. Uh, we are celebrating her on Mother's Day today. It's not even about being a mom. You know, it's about being a a faithful disciple and that Jesus changed her life and she went for it. And, uh, there's, there's nothing that is impossible and some, he's making everything new and some of that happens now and some of it won't happen until, until later, you know, until he returns and, and all that kind of stuff, whether it's now or it's later, that hope is in place. And, um. Another thought that I had was that this she's really free yeah, that this is what this is what freedom looks like. You want to know what freedom looks like Mary Magdalene that's what it looks like. Um, Luke says uh, well Jesus says in the next chapter of Luke with, we're familiar with it right He says if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me, she does that but look at the next part. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Where does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Mary sets this example for us, for all of us to to follow. And so this is the call for men and women who have been set free from something greater than themselves. Um, And the last point is one that we were in just a minute ago, is that, Every bit of her story was driven by love. That Jesus's love for her is what set her free, and His love for you and me is what—that's why we are, have been set free from our bondage. Uh, her, His love for her from living life together—that that's a reality for us as well as for Mary. And the, His greatest expression of love was His death for her, and for me, and for you, and for us. Um, and also Mary's love for Jesus. Uh, out of gratitude and love for her Redeemer, and so it's it's a love that they shared between each other, and that you and Jesus share as well. That his his saying of her name, he says your name too. He says my name too. That it it is as personal with with me and Jesus, and with you and Jesus, and with all of us in Jesus, as it is with Mary and Jesus. He's he's that kind of Savior, and so uh, I, I hope that this has been uh, has been. Giving us some things to think about, maybe maybe from a Bible character that you don't hear, you know, dealt with a whole lot, um, but she's she's there for all of it, and we're here in part because of her faithfulness to go tell him. And it didn't matter if they all said, "Oh, you know, what you're saying is insane." She's like, "Nope, the, I'm telling you, he said my name," you know, like he freed me from the demons, and he's he rose from the grave. Like this dude is he's he's the one, you know. Um, and i'm so thankful for her and for her ministry and for her faithfulness and for uh, the way that god has used her uh, throughout the history of the church i think she's going to be one of the people we, we need to go find on the new earth and hug her and thank her and i look forward to doing that and so however this fits into your life today i hope that um, i hope that, that is clear and if it isn't that you'll spend some time with the lord to ask him a little bit so i'm going to pray we're going to sing another song and then we're going to we're going to be done so We pray for us, Father. I know that uh, on on Mother's Day you you you'd think that it'd be a how to be a good mom kind of sermon, but I believe you brought us to something something today that is timely and needed. And uh, however however you want to connect those dots, that's 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 ours to steward now as individuals. I'm so thankful for Mary the Magdalene. And however, however, it happened when she was set free that day, that from that point forward, she chose to deny herself and take up her cross daily and follow you. And in many ways, we like, she's, I mean, she's a hero of the faith. She's one of the shoulders of the giants that we stand on today. That we are a part of that legacy of her ministry and of your sovereignty, which is above all. And so whatever from her story that we need to be challenged by, encouraged by, spurred on, whatever we need to look in the mirror to figure out, God, I pray that we would steward that well. Um, I pray that you would inspire us and you would draw us closer. And help us to, to be reminded that you know our name too. You speak our name as well. And that same message of, of resurrection is coming to us every day, all day. That you are alive and because you're alive, we're alive. And that means that hope lives and thrives and never goes away. God, we love you and thank you. I pray this in your name. Amen.